0: welcome to the wolverine digest podcast i'm your host brandon brown joined by my colleague chris breiler and we're gonna we're gonna talk about the we're gonna run the gamut man we're gonna talk some basketball both men's and women's a little bit of football stuff uh we'll talk to you on Howard. We'll talk pro day. We'll talk NFL draft, a little bit of everything in this mixed bag as, as we're getting into uh, the month of April and Chris, we'll start off with the most pertinent news from earlier today. I guess uh, the Michigan women's basketball team played uh, a, a hell of a game against the, one of the best women's programs in the entire country. Baylor who, you know, year in and year out is a one or a two seed. Usually very, very seldom do they lose games. Um, they, they won their first two tournament games by 48 and 42 points so they hadn't really been tested at all and then Michigan took them to overtime took them down to the wire but came up a little bit short you actually watched the whole thing I watched a good chunk of the second half and then the overtime period so just I, I guess right off the rip first thoughts I mean I know you know, we don't, we don't do a ton of coverage on the women's team. And, and maybe that's something we can change a little bit, but what, what did you think just watching coach Kim Barnes Arico and her squad and, and how they almost knocked off a, a big, big time favorite in Baylor?
1: I mean, I'll mean, i be honest, man. I was, I was surprised with how much I actually enjoyed it.
0: Got into and it. That, and, I did yeah, too. That's, you
1: know, that's not to sound, I hope that doesn't come out the wrong way, but you know, like you said, I, I haven't caught a lot of their games You know, well, uh, let me be honest about it. I haven't seen any of their games. (laughs) I've seen, you know, I've seen highlights and I knew that they were doing well. And this was the first one that, you know, I tuned in for. And, you know, they were balling out. It was it was extremely impressive. And, you know, Nas was doing her thing. But uh, Leah Brown at the guard position, like she was a sniper. And, you know, I I found myself just like I do with the men's basketball, man. I was on the edge of my Mm -hmm. my seat in the second half. You know, my mom was over. We got my daughter's birthday party coming up and you know she came in the living room my son was in there and and we were hooting and hollering man and that was it was just really 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 good basketball and you know obviously it's a shame that they weren't able to pull it out but you know as is the case somebody's got to lose but damn that was a competitive game and it was a hell of a season for
0: him yeah no doubt about it and actually going back to my days when i was at the wolverine just starting out first job ever in the media industry um, one of the things I, I spent a good bit of time covered was the women's basketball team. So I got to interact with Coach uh, Barnes-Rico quite a bit. Um, you know, obviously that was several years ago now, but she is just you talk about two ambassadors for Michigan basketball right now, between yeah. Kim Barnes-Rico and Juwan yeah. Howard. Like, holy cow, man. This program both programs are just in great, great hands. Um, really, I mean They're different, but they're similar in how they've created a great culture. You you can see that their players like genuinely love them as their leader and want to do everything and anything for them to win um, and to just make them happy, make them proud, you know, stand out for their teammates. There's everything you can, you can see it. um, Well, it was, it was
1: obvious in this game, man, like when they were, I don't know, they were down four, maybe six points and things were looking a little bit bleak there in the second half and just the way they interact with each other on the bench and when they're going to the sideline or you know a bad play happens like they're picking each other up they stay positive and you know it was, I don't know man it was just it was a beautiful thing to watch I don't know if it's because I'm so you know used to paying so close attention to football that I don't expect to see some of the things that I see with Michigan sports but then I watch the basketball team and I'm pleasantly surprised and I watch the women's basketball team and I'm pleasantly surprised and You know, like to your point, there's a lot of good things happening with the basketball teams in Michigan.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And I, you know, I'm right there with you. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I've I've caught their games because I haven't. And, you know, whether that's a good or a bad thing to admit (laughs) on the air, it is what it is. I just haven't watched much women's basketball Um, since that. You just we don't cover it a ton but I have a soft spot for it because my wife played college basketball and she is a phenomenal basketball player. I've played with her and against her, you know, a hundred times while we've, you know, since we've known each other. And so I do, I remember there was a kind of a little back and forth on the Wolverine message board once upon a time and you know, people kind of dogging the sport and it just, there's, there's no reason for that. I mean, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, they're, they're not as big. They're not as strong. They're not as fast, but it's still, like you said, really good basketball. And yeah. I was into it too. I mean, I was like, damn, they're going to overtime. Like Baylor one of the best programs out there. They might get this done. They might get this done. There was a couple of questionable calls down the stretch. I know, uh, you know, the, the blatant missed double dribble. Like I don't even, I don't, you know, there that's not an objective thing. That's one of those ones where you're like, dude, you step out of bounds, you call it, you double dribble, you call it, you travel. Usually that's pretty obvious too, but you know, that's, that's how it goes. The refs missed some stuff here and there. Michigan had a chance down the end.
1: Some Michigan actually,
0: killed them. Yeah, a couple turnovers. Michigan yeah. actually probably traveled on the last second-to-last possession to heave yeah. from half-court. But uh, yeah. yeah, it was it was a fun game to watch down the stretch, and and uh, props to Coach K, um, KBA, and and just hopefully you know they can uh, continue to to rise up. There had been a little bit of a, yeah, I don't want to say a knock, but. Coach Kim's teams have been pretty solid throughout the regular season for a handful of years. And then in the, in the tournament, they would, they would kind of wilt a little bit. And sure. that was not the case this year, not at all. And she's a phenomenal coach, a great ambassador for the program and the school and, you know, props to her props to the ladies on that team. And uh, you know, they'll be back. That that will be, uh, that will be hopefully not a, a one-off thing making it to the sweet 16 and battle and to make it to the elite eight. So as we yeah. shift over to the men's team, which they play tomorrow against Florida state, um you did a little bit of a preview with that it's been cool this week to see juan howard talk about leonard hamilton in, in such a glowing light i didn't i didn't know about their their relationship head coach for florida state Not me either and obviously juan have a, a long history um, going back to juan's playing days in the nba um it's it just yeah it's got a lot of cool storylines one of the star players for florida state scotty barnes is good buddies with juan's two sons um they won some state championships together i think juan said and so yeah it's pretty cool of course juan said i'm a competitor you know i'll be physical and box out my (laughs) grandmother if i was playing her so i'm not going to let those relationships bother me but what are you kind of looking for in this game um you know it's another one of those like i don't know it it feels a little bit like a toss-up it really kind of does at this point
1: yeah and i mean i feel like you know michigan is still the favorite in this game but i feel like when you get this deep into march you know nothing is a given and you know you look at florida state's roster and it's just a bunch of big dudes. You know, like you just mentioned Scotty Barnes. He's a six nine guard. You've got uh, who who is it? Raquan Raekwon Gray, six eight forward. You've got two seven footers, you know, you got where is he polite? I don't know how tall he is. I think he's six six. Yeah. So a six six guard. I mean, you know, they're big at the guard position. They're big at every single position. And so I think it's gonna be tough for Michigan. I think that they're gonna, you know, they're gonna have to make some tough shots and you know. to your point I think it's a toss-up game I still like Michigan I think Michigan should be the favorite but you know this Florida State team makes me nervous for sure
0: yeah you mentioned some of the I mean you start to start to list off some of those guys and it sounds like you're talking about Michigan a little bit you've got you know six nine guard and Franz Wagner a six obviously Isaiah Livers is hurt but a six you know six eight he would have been six eight guard slash forward, obviously Hunter Dickinson at seven feet, seven foot one, seven foot two, however tall he is. I hear them throw different, different seven, measurements around for him all the time. Seven, 1, seven, one two 50
1: or something. Like He's that. a
0: program seven, one, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Florida state's got a bunch of size too. They have their big man in the middle, Balsa Coper who's pretty, I mean, essentially the same size as Hunter Dickinson. So that's going to be a really interesting matchup, uh, Michigan favored by just two and a half points at this point. I mean, that's a bucket. That's a, That's a toss up. That's a, that's a 50, 50 game. In my opinion, I do think Michigan can, can and should win, but like you said, and I I think I said this before the tournament even started, you know, once the news was out there that Isaiah livers was going to be out, um, Michigan's still a pretty good team, solid, good depth. Jawan Howard has brought them along very well. I kind of thought I think Michigan gets out of the first weekend. And then after that, it's anybody, you, you know, you get down to 16 teams left they're all pretty damn good. I mean, that's kind of right. the, the name of the game. So I, I think if I had to, you know, put, put money on it, I probably would pick Michigan to cover that two and a half points. But yeah, like you said, I mean, the size, you will see how Michigan can handle that. We'll see how Florida state handles Michigan size as well. I think, I think you got to give the edge to Hunter Dickinson in that big man matchup. I think you wrote a story about the, uh, the twin towers, any, yeah. any, any yeah. additional insight on the battle yeah. between those two big dudes.
1: I I, you know, nothing, I don't know, I, nothing that's going to be too in depth. I mean, basically, the, the, you know, the bottom line is he's a big ass dude and he's going to, he's going to make it difficult for Hunter, you know, he's, and, and the the concern I have is, you know, making sure he stays out of foul trouble because if, you know, if Dickinson's riding the bench for a good portion of that first half and, and finds himself in the same position in the second half, I'm just worried about Michigan getting out muscled and and you know I I didn't watch any Florida State games but you know started to watch some of the highlights from the season and you know they're pretty athletic man they play above the rim there's a lot of you know there's a lot of lobs that are thrown up and you know they can posterize it pretty quick and so you know they got to keep Hunter Dickinson on the floor and I think this is another game where you know, I don't think you're going to get 40 points from Eli Brooks and Shawnee Brown, you know, combined. I don't think you're going to get 40 points there, and so you know, Franz is going to have to show up. You know, he's 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 solid on the defensive side of the ball. You know, he that's something that you know really he, he doesn't he doesn't fall short there in either half. But he can't afford to wait until the second half to show up offensively. I think that's one guy that's really got to get going early on for Michigan to have you know a good shot in this one.
0: Yeah, I watched. I just ha- obviously didn't know Michigan was going to match up against them, but I watched the ACC championship game between Florida State and Georgia Tech. And yeah, length, a um, lot of versatile dudes. I, you know, I've, you know, listening to other people talk about what Florida State's good at and what they're bad at. A lot of people give Michigan a pretty decided coaching edge in this one with, you know, with sure. what jawan has been able to do with the help from Phil Martelli, Howard Isley, Saadi Washington, Howard, Leonard Hamilton and his staff. Obviously they've made it to the sweet 16, so they know what they're doing, but it, I, I get the sense that people think that if it is tight and it looks like it's going to be that Michigan might have an edge when it comes to, you know, what to do rotation, um, you know, scheme, stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to it. Should be a really good game. Um, just like the last one was against LSU, you know, kind of back and forth really well played a lot of big shots yeah. being made by both teams. I mean, that's, that's, that's why it's March, man. It's fun to watch yeah. that kind of stuff. I wanted to ask to. Chris, I know you 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 admittedly, you know, before we started recording, said that, you know, following basketball in depth wasn't really a thing for you until it kind of became part of of this job and what we do and the back and forth between you and I and the content that we create. Obviously, it's it's full swing basketball season right now and not much from football. Just in a nutshell, as you've dove deeper into it, you just put a story up about this the other day at WolverineDigest.com. Juwan Howard as a as a dude Juwan Howard, as a leader of men, as a, as a player's coach. I don't know. Sometimes that term gets thrown around. Like he doesn't really know how to coach that well, but he gets a lot out of his players. That's not what Juwan is, but he's so damn good at relating to his guys that I think he's always going to have that label, even though I think he clearly knows his stuff. And anybody who says that Phil Bartelli is the one really, you know, pulling (laughs) all the strings is just an idiot. I mean, let let's be honest like phil martelli dude is awesome i could listen to him talk basketball all day but he did get fired from his job and it wasn't like people were beating the door down to hire him right so yeah. to think that he's just going to come to michigan all of a sudden he's doing all the work and it's just joan is like the front man is they don't know what they're talking about so long explanation to get to what you have kind of learned on a on a deeper level over the last handful of months
1: i mean honestly man when when he was hired you know i was moderately excited about it just because he was a fab five guy you know and I thought it was cool that we had you know a guy like that coming back to Michigan didn't know what to expect and you know I never really paid too much attention to him in the NBA didn't know much about him personally and you know since we since I've started covering the basketball team I mean he's just he's just so damn likable like I don't know if there's a more likable coach in sports you know there might be some guys that are as likable but Man, when he talks, he's so relatable. He's so down to earth. He's just, you know, and I think of. If he, swear, he swears on national right. TV. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? But I think that that's what. And it's not like, oh, it was cool because, you know, he swore. It's just he's a guy that is genuine and it is real. And if he's sitting in your living room on a recruiting trip, you know, and you look at everything he's done throughout his career. You know, I mentioned this in my article. I just can't imagine wanting to play for anybody else other than Juwan Howard. You got the likability, you've got the knowledge, you've got the connections with him. I mean, he's just, I don't know, man. He's going to be a hard guy to beat on the recruiting trail for sure.
0: Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie about it. I'm not going to try to mince my words and say that, you know, I had this glowing review of him when he was hired because I didn't. I thought there were a tons of question marks around the hire. And I think they were warranted in terms of, well, he's never been a head coach before. He's never had to, I thought yeah. he would recruit. Well, I didn't think it would be this good, this early, but I, I knew enough about, you know, his story and kind of what he stood for and how he conducted himself. And obviously kids want to make it to the league and who better to, you know, who better to, to use as a reference than, than your head coach potentially since he was there for 20 years. But right. I, you know, I, I was like, you know, let's temper the excitement a little bit. Let's, Let's make sure we understand what, what we're getting into here. Like, John, the Michigan Beeline, fans
1: have a problem with getting excited? Is that an issue with, with the Michigan fans? It seems like we're, <laughs> we're an easily excitable group.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that tends to happen a little bit. But At least early. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, for sure. But, I, you know, I was like, look, John Beeline was the, is the best coach that's ever been here. He kind of left a little bit unexpectedly. You know, the cupboard certainly wasn't bare, but you didn't really know what was going to happen or how he was going to recruit right off the bat or what his staff was going to look like. And, you know, there were a lot of people who, who were, you know, pretty down on what he'd be able to do. I wasn't down on him with what he'd be able to do. I thought it might take a little more time than it than it took. And I thought it was reasonable to question, you know, how he would do in this position. But dude, he, he's a freaking star. I mean, there yeah. there is there is no other way to slice it. There's no other way to describe it. He's a great in-game coach. He's a great motivator. He's an elite recruiter. I mean, he's got the number 1 class yeah. in the country at his first yeah. full go, really. Um he's 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 got the love and the passion for the school naturally cuz he went there. You know, he probably a little bit over the top against uh Maryland in that Turgeon <laughs> exchange, but <laughs> I love it. I love the, it. Yeah, but the passion and the and the fire and the you know, standing up for his guys and, and just not backing down. I know you put a story out about like, just a reminder, he's from Chicago and Joan was the first one to point that out. He's like, you know, I was yep. raised by Chicago and I was raised by my grandmother and I don't put up with that bull. So yeah, and that's I mean, pretty you much know, what I, it was.
1: And, and, and it wasn't even so much about the players, man. It was just him as a man, you know, he felt a certain way and, you know, to see, I, I think, you know, that's, and, and not to go, you know, I, I want to be careful here because I don't want to turn this into an opportunity to bash Jim Harbaugh. And that's not what this is, but that passion, that fire that you saw from him in that Maryland game, like that's the stuff that us football fans kind of miss on the sideline, you know, in Ann Arbor and, and, and in the big house is that we want a guy, you know, who won't just go to bat for his players, but you know, he's just a spark plug, man. He's a force of energy on the sideline. And I think, you know, players feed off that. They can see that fans feed off of that. And, no question. You know, I had no issue with the way he reacted in that game, man. I loved it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, there, there was a lot that, you know, people tried to throw around like he would. And Juwan, Juwan admitted it himself. He said, I shouldn't have let the emotions get the best of me like that. I should have stayed calmer than that. I should have done this. I should have done that. But it was very clear to me that Turgeon was trying to, trying to bully him. I mean, in in a sense of like, you know, dictating how the mood was going to be on the court or talking back to Juwan thinking he wouldn't get a rebuttal. And he, and he, he, he did it again in the post-game press conference. He said, I've been doing this yeah. for 34 years. Like, bro, we know you've been doing it a lot longer than Juwan. It doesn't really matter. You still don't get to like yell at another coach on the floor just because you don't like what he's doing right you know again joan's reaction a little over the top he said so himself fans are going to love that his players are absolutely going to love that and you know the media can say whatever they want about it and you know it just just one of those you know kind of when you when you start to grab all these different instances and examples of what joan howard is all about it's it's been the biggest home run hire that i can remember in terms of you know, leading a Michigan team yeah, I and mean, in
1: any sport. I think the general consensus is that, you know, you hoped that it would be somewhere within the vicinity of what Beeline was for Michigan. And I think, you know, not only is it in the vicinity, but it, it feels like a step up. Like he's taken everything yeah. that Beeline built and he's just, you know, now it's on steroids, you know, and is continuing to ascend. And I think as long as he's in Ann Arbor, man, this basketball program, Is going to be a force not just in the conference but in the country man they're going to be a tough group to beat you got this big class coming in next year and i don't see his recruiting falling off anytime soon man
0: not yeah no there's no there's why would it i mean they're they're just you can't you can't see a reason why any of these things would would go would start to slide or go the other direction um i mean it's tough to it's tough to be consistently at the top and winning, but he, he looks like he's got it figured out in year yeah. two, which is crazy. It's crazy. I think I wrote about this and I may have even told you this story, but I want to say it again. Cause it's still cool to me. I'm excited to tell my son about it someday when he's old enough to understand, but there was a, I think it was the week of Michigan's bowl game in 2019. So there weren't very many media people in Ann Arbor. Um, a lot of them had traveled for the bowl game, but there was a basketball press conference. My wife and I were in Ann Arbor. She was months pregnant something like that and we she had to go to the bathroom so she comes into the building and i was like just come into the press conference who cares there's nobody here you know i'll tell tom like you know my wife i don't want to make her sit out in the car like you know she's the family pet like can she come in and (laughs) you know sit here and just kind of kind of take it in he's like oh yeah no big deal no big deal joan comes in does his press conference you know gets done wraps up comes right up to her congratulates us says you look beautiful and then you know walks out and that's just like dude there's another example of just being a being a guy just being a guy that you want to talk to you want to be around you want to impress you want to make proud um you know that's the that's certainly the way his players feel and there were many other examples of him doing stuff like that with the local media people it's been it's been really cool
1: and some people could point to that and say you know like um it's a gimmick or, you know, he's putting on, it just, it, it's so genuine, you know, there, there's no denying, like he just feels the way he feels and he says what he says and it comes out so genuine. And so, you know, not to make it a big love fest, like I get, you know, he's only in his second year. And if we go back to the second year in the hardball era, we were all pretty high on where we were in 2016 as well. And so, you know, obviously things can change, different set of circumstances, different programs, but, you know, so far, man, like, like you said, it, they could not have found a better replacement for John B. Like this is the home run hire.
0: No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Shifting over to football a little bit. Um, spring football still going on. Um, they just concluded the pro day yesterday and some guys did some pretty nice things. Um, you know, it's a, uh, it's weird not having a combine. So you can't necessarily stack who's doing what against other people and some of the numbers probably aren't as official as they should be in terms of like, you know, laser forties and the time, all the timed stuff is all done by hand at the, uh, at the pro days. But some of those NFL dudes trust their hand more than a laser, which is, which is <laughs> hilarious to me, you know, the, the 67 yeah. year old scout guys who've been uh, doing, it, doing uh, it for 32 years. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so a couple of the Michigan, former michigan players at this point i guess we can call them had some had some pretty good days so i want to throw a couple numbers at you and we're gonna we'll break it down like this i want you to just say whether it's a surprise to you or not and then you know a little bit of a little bit of an insight as to maybe why or why not so obviously the the one who kind of jumped out um and and got the most pub was probably nico collins six foot four 215 pounds ran a 443 um, so he's, you know, a shade smaller than Mike Evans and a 10th faster again, hand-timed. So who knows what that would have been on the laser, but that's moving. That's moving for a big dude, his size. Um, is that a surprise to you or not that he, that he popped off that time?
1: I mean, no, it's not a surprise, especially given, you know, I don't know if you recall, but leading up to the 2020 season before, mm-hmm. you know, the big 10 sort of pulled back, uh, on the COVID restrictions, um, or, or, or postponed the season rather you know, Gaddis had put out a tweet, you know, basically signaling that Nico had dropped weight, Nico was faster. I think he timed him at a four or three. And so there was a general sense that, you know, this was going to be a big, big year for him, man. And, and the fact that he put up those numbers in the combine, I'm not, I'm not surprised by it at all. I am, however, heartbroken that we didn't get to see him. You know, we it's just, you know, and you and I talk about this offline all the time. It's like, the talent that comes through, you know, especially at the wide receiver position, you know, to have Nico on the field, rocking the number one Jersey, you know, four, three speed, big guy, go down the field, jump ball guy. I was really looking forward to seeing it. Hate that we didn't get to see it, but no, I'm definitely not surprised that, that he showed out in the combine.
0: Yeah. It's going to be really in interesting. Diet, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see what teams think of him. Cause all the measurables are, are great. But he hasn't played in a long time because he decided to opt out last year, and you know his numbers at Michigan were not very good. I mean, I tweeted something out about this. I caught a bunch of hate hate for it. Shocker, right? I'm just so I hate I hate I hate Michigan so much, dude. I hate them. I can't stand anything about them. Um, no, obviously, there's a small faction of people that think that, but it's like, dude, I'm just you know. Nico's this big. He's this fast. He's this good at 50, 50 balls. He, and he averaged less than three catches a game during his career at Michigan. Like that just shouldn't happen. Um, quarterback play hasn't been great, but play calling certainly hasn't been great either. The offensive production hasn't been there and all of that, you know, complimentary football, you hear coaches mention that all the time. It's all, it's all connected. So it's not any one person's fault. I'm not saying like Jim Harbaugh sucks at getting Nico Collins, the ball, like there's a lot more to it than that sure but it, it just that that's those numbers are going to be something for sure that owners and general managers and coaches in the nfl are going to ask him about and say like you know we're about to pay you a couple million bucks to catch passes for us like is this what we're going to get yeah. and that's fair i mean that's that you know that's fair it's i don't think it's on nico i think it's i think it's less on nico than it is everybody else involved but
1: yeah it's, i mean it's it,
0: still a, it's still a low number for a guy that looks like he has as much talent and ability as him
1: I would, you know, put him in the same boat as, uh, people's Jones, you know, I don't know what he averaged when he was at Michigan, how many catches he averaged, you know, whether it was three catches, two catches, four catches, but I know that DPJ wasn't near in college, what he should have been and could have been in a program that, you know, could have maximized his talent. You know, I know he's finding the sea legs in the NFL with Cleveland and, you know, he seems to be, uh, you know sort of growing into that position but man that's that's another big time recruit big body guy highly skilled guy that we just didn't get to see it at michigan and it's you know it's a bummer
0: no doubt about it um chris evans it's a guy that I have liked more than probably 95% of the Michigan fan base. I know, you know, he kind of burst onto the scene as a freshman. And then every year after that was a little bit of a regression. Right. He obviously spent the one year on the sidelines with a little bit of a, you know, bad decision academically, but, you know, fought his way out of the doghouse, made his way back onto the field and just never, I don't know, man, just never really found a rhythm in Michigan's offense, kind do. of you kind of utilized weirdly. Like, you know, a lot of people think the whole running back room was utilized weirdly. And he was, he was part of that, but he ran a four, four, four and had a 40 and a half inch vertical. The dude is 10 foot seven broad jump. The dude is explosive, explosive built like a superhero has been since he was in high school. To be honest, phenomenal pass, pass catcher, great route runner, terrific in space. I personally think he could be great in the NFL. I don't think he's going to get drafted high at all. Maybe I, I mean, like. I don't know. I haven't seen any projection. I don't even know if he's like projected to be drafted at all. Like if I, I saw, if yeah. I saw somewhere that said he was not on anybody's draft board, I wouldn't be like shocked by that, honestly. Okay. But I think he's the kind of guy that could wherever he goes, or if he does make a roster or make a team that he would be, he would outperform his, his draft position. So any of those numbers or anything I said, make you say, wait a minute, dude, you, you're crazy.
1: No, no. Again, I mean, that it's you know highly athletic, you know, phenomenal athlete. Um, you know, to your point, burst on the scene as a freshman and then kind of ran into some issues. And, you know, I don't think there was a you know a single body in that running back room that was going to have a successful season in 2020, just given the way things were done. But, you know, he's, uh, I think it was David Long Jr., former cornerback uh, in Michigan that tweeted out, you know, that Evans was going to be the steal of the draft. And so, you know, obviously the guys that played with him think very highly of him. And, you know, I've seen him play. I think he's highly skilled and I'm not surprised by those numbers at all. But again, I don't know if he's on anybody's draft board. You know, I could see him going as an undrafted free agent, signing with a team and, you know, showing what he's capable of then. But, you know, he's just one of those guys, another one of those guys that had all the talent but just couldn't find his legs at Michigan.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, and it's a guy that I saw, I think, and probably half a dozen times before he or in high school, either in a game. I think I saw two games maybe three or four camps, something like that, just at uh, various events, you know, before he was offered. And once he was offered and uh, I've just always liked him a lot. I I, I think he's a, I think he's a dynamic athlete. I know he made a boneheaded decision at Michigan and that's, that's something that he'll probably be asked about in the NFL, but fought his way back, worked a couple jobs. He coaches kids. I just, I just like the dude, man. I do. And I think he, I think he was misused at Michigan. And I think again, depending on where he goes, if he's drafted or if he makes a roster, if put it this way, if he doesn't get drafted, I would bet money on him making the roster. I think he, I think he can provide value in today's NFL. Yeah. Um, if, 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 uh, if Nico Collins, wasn't the biggest buzz name of the pro day, it was probably Ambry Thomas after running a four, three, seven, uh, that is moving for a six foot corner five eleven. I think they had him listed a little taller than that in the program, but there's another kid I've known. I think I've known Ambry since he was in ninth grade. I mean, obviously a local kid from Detroit. So somebody I saw a lot of times in, in his high school career, got to know him quite well, awesome kid, super hard worker, great leader. Um, His coaches will absolutely, his coaches at um, Detroit Martin Luther King will absolutely rave about him as a, as a worker, as a competitor, as a winner. Um, And we kind of all saw that in 2019 when he, had colitis battled back. I think he just said in his pro day interview that he practiced for like a week before hitting the field for the season, Dropped
1: like 30 pounds or something like
0: that, which is a lot for a skinny dude. I mean, he's, (laughs) he's he's about 195 now he said, but he's, he's slight, he's lanky kind of high cut, long legs, long arms. So he's not a, he's, he looks great, but he's, I can't imagine dropping 30 pounds off of that dude's frame, but Four three seven again, maybe slightly inflated at the pro day versus a, a laser time, but is that surprising? I mean, we saw Ambry with some big plays in the return game in his career at Michigan too. He can fly.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that that's not surprising. I mean, there's there's one in particular. I don't know if it was 2018 when they went on the road to Notre Dame, and uh, you know, Ambry took back that um, that long kick return. It was, it was a kick return, right? He went for like 90, 90 some yards. Yep. You know, just turned on the burners and and was gone, and so. You know, he's another one of those guys that I feel like, you know, at the next level and can can find his place and, and make his mark. But, you know, and, and I know it wasn't just circumstances with Michigan, you know, he had obviously had the health issues. Um, so, you know, wasn't really able to, you know, to live up to what he was fully capable of Michigan, but he's a guy that I can see doing really well at the next level. Somebody's going to take him, you know, I think he's going to be a productive player and I'm not surprised by that 40 time at all. He's a quick guy.
0: Yeah, he's he's another one that's interesting because he also opted out, so he hasn't played on the field in a long time, and did deal with the health issues a little bit in 2019. Didn't keep him from having a, you know, he had a, he was fine. I mean, I don't think he was like a super standout or anything. I don't think you cut on the film and look at him and go, man, who's who's number one? Like we got to get that dude. But played well. That was, uh, you know, a couple years ago, so he was he was still figuring things out a little bit, and now he tested well. I think he'll kill the interview process, um, but it's going to be interesting to see where he goes, too. So last but not least of the, of the kind of the stands out, Michigan had 11 guys go through the pro day. I, I, I singled out four that I thought, you know, did a, a really, really good job and maybe surprised some people it was Pay put up 225 pounds 36 times, which would have been uh, the second most <laughs> at the 2019 Combine. And also ran a four five two. So <laughs> at 261 pounds, which is actually a little bit lighter than he was listed at Michigan. I don't know if he's dropping some weight to to be faster, to run better. Or yeah, he if, said
1: he he said he dropped a little in the press conference leading up to pro day. So
0: and you know, depending on what system he's in or what position the NFL team sees him at, maybe he stays around two sixty one or gets back up closer to two seventy five. But the dude is a, a rock. I mean, obviously he's strong as hell, can really run. Um Don Brown called him one of the smartest, if not the smartest, players he's ever coached. He's phenomenal against the run. He can get after the quarterback. He's great in pursuit. Or, I mean, this dude was like a track star in high school. It's crazy. I'm, I, oddly enough, I did I did a, a northeast tour back in the day when I was covering recruiting and saw Quiddy Pay in high school up in Rhode Island, and uh, you know, really? got to, you got to know him a little bit then, and got to know his coach a little bit, and uh, so again, another kid I've known for quite a few. years. It's really cool seeing these dudes like you know go from high school players to big timers at Michigan to shoot. And now they're about to be millionaires in the NFL and Quiddy is going to be because he's projected to go anywhere in the top 15 or 20, probably. Um, So a couple questions here, two parter first, the numbers that he threw up. I'm not, I'm not surprised at all by his bench press numbers and how fast he ran because he kind of can do everything, but production wise, not off the charts at Michigan, but again, lots of potential, pretty versatile dude where First, first question: Are you surprised by his numbers? And then, where do you think he could or should be drafted? Like, how high could we see him go?
1: No, man, not again. Not surprised. You know, I just watching him play in college. You know, he's he's just a beast, and I think he's he's certainly going to be a first round pick. And I mean, on top of just you know what he's capable of physically. He's just a really, really good dude. I mean, he's like a, he's a guy you want in your locker room. He's a guy you want on your team. Like this is, this is a culture guy. This is a talent guy. Uh, Can't imagine him going anywhere other than the first round, man.
0: No, there's yeah. This is the dude. That's like, you're not going to have any off field stuff with him. Like he you know, draft with confidence, no worries about him doing anything stupid outside of football. Um, he talked about his his wallet that he carries around with him i think it was actually was it your question
1: yeah yeah i mean he pulled it out in the press conference and you know he's kept it he bought the wallet when he was sixth grade he put some quotes in there and he you know he keeps it with him to this day and it's got you know a handful of quotes on it and he said you know i I keep it with me just to keep me grounded because i you know he said something to the effect of you know i know going through this process that people are going to try to you know, get my head to explode mm-hmm. and get me to be somebody I'm not. And it's important to me that I stay true to who I am. And I just, you know, at that age, I mean, hell, when I was in college, I wasn't thinking like that. Right. Like, this guy is just the maturity level is there. The talent is there. If I'm, you know, if I'm looking in the first round for a guy that I think can be a dominant force on the field and just good for the health of my team, I mean, Quiddy pays that guy. It's It's hard to find a dude that's better than that.
0: Amazing story too. Born in Guinea, um, yeah. you know, came to the United States and settled in in Rhode Island of all places, not exactly a football hotbed, and was a uh, was pretty lightly recruited. I know there were some bigger schools that looked at him, but Michigan was obviously the most serious. I didn't know. And...
1: I didn't know he was committed to Boston College first. He only. I, I just found that out in the press conference. He only came to Michigan because Don Brown. Don came Brown.
0: To Michigan. Yeah, yep. he
1: said. He said flat out, I committed. I didn't commit to Boston College. I committed to Don Brown, and so. Yep. You know, that was, it's just, it's really nice that that worked out that way. Cause it was a pleasure to watch him in college.
0: Yeah. The all flip team, the all flip <laughs> team, Michigan. It's funny. Like, like so many dudes, honestly, you just, you kind of forget that they were committed elsewhere. Jalen Mayfield. You remember where he was committed? I don't. Minnesota was committed to Minnesota before no, he kidding. flipped to Michigan. Quinn Nordeen okay. about him. No,
1: I know. Was he, was he a Sparty
0: Penn Penn state committed to Penn, Penn state, state on, the, okay. on the old private jet. <laughs> he was, <laughs> he was, he got, he got reamed for being a kicker with a commitment video and was like on a private plane. <laughs> it was, it was awesome. Lavert Hill, Penn state. I mean, dude, like yeah. you go down the list, man. Chris a lot Evans of his, was
1: Penn state. Wasn't he? At Chris Evans
0: was, com- you know what? I don't remember if Chris Evans was ever committed anywhere else, but it looked like he was going to end up at Indiana for a while.
1: Indiana. Okay.
0: I don't remember if he was committed anywhere. I don't think he actually was, okay. but uh, anyway, I mean, you, you can go down the list almost and look at a lot of guys that, that started off committed somewhere else and then kind of, you know, went through the process, ended up picking, uh, picking Michigan in the end. I don't
1: think you know, any other that,
0: guys on this list were, were under that umbrella, but
1: this is going to be a total side note, but you, you know, you, you're asking me here, you know, am I surprised by what these guys are able to do or what they did in their pro day? And and my answer is routinely no. Followed up with, but I, you know, we didn't get to see I think them reach their full potential at Michigan, and I feel like that's a common theme. I mean, do you who is the last guy you remember that was a highly anticipated recruit that came into Michigan and actually lived up to the hype?
0: Yeah, this has been a discussion. I mean, hmm. I mean, I think you could probably say some of the less sexy positions. Like, I mean, a lot of the linemen, you know, came in and were pretty touted. I don't know if Michigan had any like five-star linemen types, but like Ben Bredesen was a massive get for Michigan to get him out of Wisconsin. and. You know, he started almost immediately. I think he did start right away as a freshman, right? And he played a ton of games for Michigan. Now he's in the league. Well, there's a lot of linemen that I think kind of.
1: I'm only interested in the sexy positions.
0: Well, there you go. Then you're not going to get very many. And that's why. Michigan had, I mean, I was going to say peppers. I mean, you know, yeah, there's a, there's a, pretty, finalist. there's a pretty big group of Michigan fans who think he was underused too, and didn't really get the most out of his potential, but yeah. it's hard to argue. I mean, he, he was a Heisman finalist. He yeah. was a first round draft pick. He did do some crazy things at Michigan, but yeah, there's, there's some arguments to be made about, you know, being able to use, you know, they, they tried to do the offensive thing with him, but not very smartly. And you know, whether or not he was, Wasted a little bit at at linebacker I I don't think so I think he was dynamic At Viper at the Viper position
1: For sure
0: but But yeah he he might be you know the one You look to as you know one of the top Three or four high school players in the country and You know you go become a Heisman finalist And get picked in the first round that's pretty good So pretty good yeah um, But yeah I mean there's a you know there's a reason why Michigan hasn't had a skill player drafted In the first round in like a decade And a half or whatever it is you know So Yeah, that's, it's hard to argue, you know, even the, even the strongest Michigan apologists are going to, aren't going to be able to come up with a very good example for, for that question. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for those dudes. Like I said, a couple of them I've known for a long time and it's, it's always cool to see them get to that point. And I'm like, dang, I got like a whole phone full of NFL guys like that, you know, like <laughs> right. and right. Yeah. you start covering them in high school and they don't even know how to do an interview. And now they're about to be in the league and, you know, playing on Sundays. It's crazy, man. It's really cool to watch that trend, that uh, transformation over four, five, six years, whatever it is. Uh, I guess last thing, let's do this, go ahead. And uh, since we're going to be talking about the Michigan basketball game tomorrow, or at least watching it, putting some content out about it, what's the pick, give me a score, give me a, you know, Michigan favored by two and a half. If you had to slap some money down on it, gambling is legal in Michigan, by the way. So if you want to, you really sure can is. do this. Uh, what do you see, man? What do you see for that game? Where would you where would you put your greenbacks down
1: at? I mean, I, I'm going to take Michigan because I, you know, I, I have to do that. I think, you know, I think it's going to be similar to what we saw with LSU. Uh, I think it's going to be a battle start to finish, but I think it's going to be a little bit lower uh, in the score column. I think, you know, I'll take Michigan 67, Florida State 64.
0: That's okay. So pretty close, but covering yeah. barely. Yeah, two and a half point spread three point win. I, that's funny that you said that score. I was, I was actually thinking 66 to 62 and that's Here. like, I mean, you said almost the same thing. So I do I mean, think Michigan will cover. I think it's going to be close, but Um. yeah, I think they get it done, man. I think they get it done and move on to the elite eight. I really do.
1: I sure hope so, man. They're, they're such a fun team to watch. And I'm, I'm just, I'm really enjoying this ride and I want to see it keep going and, you know, got a lot of faith in these guys, a lot of faith in Juwan Howard and, you know, they're just a fun team to watch, man
0: absolutely well if chris and i can can get our stuff together and be a little bit more disciplined and and uh take care of our wild kids and families and everything we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna try, try to do these podcasts a little bit more often so um hope everybody enjoyed that we'll be back probably gonna shoot for this monday wednesday friday thing that seems to make the most sense to try to get three of them out a week so hopefully we'll be talking about a michigan victory on sunday against florida state